Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, mi gente. It is time for another episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. And this week, I have Claudia Moncars with us. How are you, Claudia? Good. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. You know what? I am super excited to have you because we are actually going to be talking about something that we really have not talked about before on the podcast, and that is taxes, which is not a sexy subject, let's be honest. However, well, yeah, you can make it sexy for us. You can make it sexy. Most people don't think of taxes and think of sexy, I know. but you can bring it. You can bring the sexy to the taxes, okay? <laughs> but I think it's so important because we've talked a little. Like we've, I've had some people talk about money on the podcast. We've talked about a little bit of things, but you know, I'm actually for me, I'm heading into a different phase of my business mm-hmm. with the podcast. And I know that there's a lot of people who are starting their business and doing all of these things that the last thing that so many of us want to think about are taxes and how do we do this? Because so often many of us are more on the creative. Like I know that's me. I'm more of the creative. I don't want to think of money. I don't want, I mean, I want to think of money, but <laughs> I don't want to think of taxes or the IRS. Yeah. So I'm super, super excited to have you here. And let me kind of just share a little bit about you. You are a world traveler, mother, number lover. And I, am. I, and I love that you say this and a great attorney that you said, while admittedly, I am not humble. I am proud to be a caring friend of my clients. And let me just say, when I saw that you are, that you say, I am not humble, I got the biggest smile on my face because how often are we told to be humble and to be, you know, I think there's a difference between being humble as a person and being humble in what we do. Right. And I think that's true. Yeah. I think a lot of times, especially maybe as Latinas, we are thought to like be small, smaller than we are and, and think small. And especially when you're out of business, you can think small if you want to really make an impact in your community. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I love that. You cannot think small if you want to make an impact on your community. Oh my gosh. That's like, I'm going to have to create a thing just for that (laughs) alone. Um, You state that even though a love of numbers runs in your family, because both your grandparents were accountants, you always had shied away from a career in any way to finance. And we'll get into that and everything in regards to that. But I love how you talk about 
you have a love affair with taxes and everything. So talking, you were talking about bringing the, the sexy back <laughs> on the, on the taxes. I think whatever we end up doing, I always say we have to drink the Kool-Aid, right? You girl, you have drank the Kool-Aid for sure. Well, I, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I get it. I, I, I own the fact that I'm tax geek. I embrace it. It is me at the end of the day. And I know to most people, they hate it. They shy away. Even my husband just doesn't even like it. But I think at the end of the day, I'm, it's just about making it taxes in plain English. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all that's the best thing to do. So everyone stands because the best thing for your business and even yourself is just to have clarity. Once you have clarity, you can plan your your business, your day, everything, everything with finance is just clarity. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about like trademarks and stuff like that with Taylor Tiemann previously, mm-hmm. who actually did the trademarking for the Wine and Cheese My podcast. She's awesome. She's amazing. But like so many of these things go hand in hand. And, you know, normally I get into everybody's like deep dive of how they got, but I just want to go straight into all of the tax stuff. And I, because I just think there's just so much nuance to it. There's so much things that we, there's so many things that we need to know as when you're going from a sole proprietorship to an LLC, how does that affect you? If you were just, if you've gotten married or divorced, what are those? I think that there's just so many intricacies, so many life, every life change affects Mm -hmm. this, right? Correct. So I will start with this. You say in your bio that you're both your grandparents were accountants. What did you see within them that you were like, heck no, I want to stay away from that? Um, well, actually, my uh, my grandfather died when he was uh, when I was before I was born by my grandmother. She was an accountant. She retired. Then she was born. Then she when became a, a property manager. She retired. She was born. So then she when she before she died and she bought those construction trucks and she will rent them out and send them to the site. So I don't think I got to see her accountant because I was, uh, she retired from that before I, I guess I have more cautious. Remember, but I got to see her more like a business owner, but I always liked reading when I was a kid, right? I always yeah. loved books. I would spend my money books when I, I was born in Panama. So when we come to the U.S. for visiting, I would like go to the bookstore and just spend all my traveling money there. So I never was geared toward numbers. So I guess that's why I never really saw that. Okay. I have to kind of go back for a minute because I completely did a fail. I forgot to introduce the wine that I'm drinking. And I don't know if you're drinking any wine. (laughs) I did. I brought Okay. I I was like, wait a second. Total. Like people are probably (laughs) like, uh, Jessica, what's happening here? (laughs) That was my bad. I was just so excited to get into it. I mean, normally I wouldn't be all excited to talk about taxes, but because I am going through a transition in my (laughs) business as well, I'm like, yes, let's go. Okay. What are you drinking today, Claudia? (laughs) Well, because, you know, you have to represent and I'm in South Florida. I found this. I always been wanting to try this winery from South Florida, Shipley, and it's a mango wine. It's a little bit different. Mango wine. Yeah, because it's a winery in South Florida and Homestead that they actually use like passion fruit, mango, lychee, they make it more tropical. So how I is try, it? I try. It's actually good. Yeah. I like fruity sweet? things. So yeah, it's sweet. Okay. I'm a fruit I'm not I like a big sweet stuff. wine person. But so you say mango wine. I'm like, hmm, I love mango though. I mean, and mm-hmm. I love lychee and yeah. I love passion fruit. So I love all the flavors, but I just don't know how I would take them. I'm actually drinking um a Herencia del Valle 2013 Merlot from Napa Valley. So they are one of our Latine vintners. 
which with the green screen, it's so hard to see, but I know <laughs> I love, let me just say like, I, I've said more than one time, more than once that Merlot, I feel like has just kind of gotten this bad rap, but there's so many places that do really good Merlot. So please do not like sit on a Merlot. If you, just because you heard somebody say, it, it's always about trying new wines. Like you're trying this brand new wine. You, if you were like, if you already had a predisposition to say no, then you wouldn't have discovered it. So, salud. Salud. Ooh, I got a good one that time. <laughs> I love it. And like you said, you never know when you try it. There's like some in Columbia Valley in Washington. They have some really good wines too, small wineries. Oops, look at me. I'm just all over the place. Where are you from? I mean, you said you were born in Panama. Where did yeah. you grow up? Actually, I was born in Panama. Then my mom, like when I was in third Second and third grade, we moved to Texas. I'm like Denton, Texas. Only people in Texas oh, will know where that is. I graduated from UNT in Denton. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so my mom went to do her master's there. So we were there for a couple of years and went back to Panama. And then we moved to Florida, South Florida, around sixth grade. And then I've been here in South Florida all my, the rest of my life. So Nice. I love how you were talking about how you really wanted to get into like in your bio on your website, you're talking about doing an internship for a criminal judge in Miami and that he was the one who saw in you that you really didn't want to practice criminal law. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, I knew him from high school because I'd done an internship with him. So when I started law school, um, I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't, I didn't want to do criminal because I'm not really like a trial attorney. I'm what the lawyers joke that I'm a desk attorney because I I type and all that stuff. <laughs> I write briefs. <laughs> so he knew that so it would send me to all the different divisions that there's that was sent me to civil court, juvenile, family law, and then a probate court. And probate court is when you pass away and they do all the administration of your your assets. And I really loved it there. I mean, I loved the judge. I love my time. So when I went for my second year in law school, I told one of my professors, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a state plan attorney, right? That's the people that are draft wills and doing planning. Say, okay, if you really want to do that, then you should take a tax course. I'm like, okay, 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 I'll do one. And I really thought was when you're talking about taxes, it was like numbers, right? And I, I'm not a big fan of math. So I'm like, oh, okay, fine. I, I can do decent, but I didn't want to do it. Right. But he actually is, I actually understood the reason behind it. And he wasn't just memorizing like my other courses. I was just memorized and do well. But this one was the reason behind it. It's like I always tell tax like a puzzle, actually. Mm-hmm. That's why I like it. It's about finding, you know, you want to get to the end goal and finding the pieces that will, you know, like your client wants a a tomato, but you have an orange. How do you get it there? So I think it's always like, so I have fun with it. No, that's great. You need people that have fun with it. Just like, you know, I have a lot of physician friends and they talk about all these like crazy things that happen to them. And I'm just like nodding along. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're like, do you understand anything? No. They're like, you act like you do. I'm like, well, I'm just listening. I have no idea what you're talking about. But then when I talk about like public relations stuff or the pot, like different things like this, they have no idea. So we need people that do all of the things, right? Like we need somebody, I need somebody like you. <laughs> uh, because I don't, I don't want to do my time. I know it's time to like, 
hire somebody to do the taxes, to do the, like to ask the questions in regards to all this. So now we're going to get into it. What is the biggest thing that you see? Like when somebody's starting a business, Mm -hmm. they file their, a lot of times I think, especially a lot of Latinas, because we are Mm -hmm. the largest group of entrepreneurs, like at the fastest rate and everything. And so many of us start as sole proprietors. What are the things as I I just kind of want to walk through just in regards to what Mm -hmm. I know, right? When you're filing taxes as a sole proprietor, what are the things that you have to look out for when you're submitting as a sole proprietor versus your LLC? And then what changes when you go to your LLC? Well, one of the first, I think when we all start, the first thing we do, um, some of us just get an EIN, you know, a tax ID for our business. And we say like, you know, like Claudia Moncar's LLC, you know, or whatever name we want to give. And that's good when you're starting because you maybe not want to spend in, but once you start making some income and making a profit, especially you want to start incorporating yourself either with an LLC or a corporation, depending on the state and depending what's works best for you. And I think from the beginning, you also want to get good records from a tax perspective. That's what you want to do. Have That's really the hardest thing to do. But yeah, I know. I mean, I do. I will say this. I do. I keep track and I have a whole folder of receipts of everything that gets paid for the website, right? Whether it's the website or the, through the podcast, whether it's the website, whether it's equipment that I'm buying specifically for the podcast, whether it's, so I I do keep like track of all of those things. I'm really bad about inputting it in the system until it's time to, but I do keep everything together. I understand. I, I opened my law firm in 2009. So I understand I, I, at the beginning, I had like a 12 little envelopes of receipts, one for every month. So I, you know, as you grow, you you kind of put systems into your into your business. So, but it's just important. I mean, and, and the good thing now there's apps and now you can take pictures and upload it into like your accounting system and all this, like really, if you really wanted to go high tech, but I can really understand. I have my total little envelopes at the beginning of my business. <laughs> I didn't even do that. I was just like, I have a, like a, it's like a big giant, like it was when I got flowers, it was mm-hmm. Beautiful. And I just stick like literally for the year. And then at the end of the year, I staple them all together and put it with all my tax information. <laughs> God, I'm so ghetto. <laughs> I'm well, like, I just put it in a vase and then pull them out at the end of the year. That's so- <laughs> tax law can be complicated and difficult. I mean, I do this for a living. And I have to admit that I got in my I got in myself in tax problems. So anybody can do, and I do this for a living and I got myself in tax from, I wanted to implement this great idea to save myself taxes. I didn't take it all the way. Like, you know, because we as business owner entrepreneurs, we all get all these ideas and we're like, oh, uh, this is great. I'm going to do it. And sometimes we don't take everything all the way. Yeah. So I did that. I didn't take it all the way. And um, I had to have a friend of mine help me out. So it happens to all of us. I mean, I know accountants are getting trouble. I mean, it just happens to everybody. Yeah. Oh, see, and that's what makes like our tax law is so complicated. And that's why I think so many people just don't know what, where to start or what to do. What are the most common things that somebody just barely starting out? What are the most common things that we can, that you can fall into that can, you can get trapped into and ha- are there, do you have any suggestions and in, in ways to get out of that? 
Like, are there any common just things that people just starting out do? I think there's like three common things that I see all the time. One, like we talk about not keeping good records, um, because then just in case you get audited, you just need the backup. Because it's always scary to get audited, but if you have the backup, you're good. Two, especially when we're starting out, and if we have a, if we have our day job and we're doing like a side hustle or doing this on the side, yeah. we need to justify, at least show that this is not a hobby because a lot of people try to like expense out their hobbies. So just once more, keeping records, kind of keeping receipts. Um, if you think, especially your Think of some, you know, if you go out to dinner, really be a business dinner, not just because you all went out to dinner, the family and it was expensive, was deducted. I mean, if if you kind of thread that line, you know, and keep your receipts, you're good. And then the third one, and this drives me crazy, is I think sometimes we have um, tax preparers that do the wrong thing. I know ta- I know some tax preparers that say, oh, we'll start from zero up. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it works. And, and sometimes they give you more deductions just so you get more money. And I think in your gut, you know that that's not right, but they sign it because, well, it's eh, el contador, it's the accountant, it's, you know, we're thought to always be like, oh, it's the lawyer, the accountant, the, the doctor will, will just take their word for it. But I think, you know, if you think it's wrong, you have all the right to say, I'm not signing that because I'm the one that's going to get audited, not you. Right. And I think that's especially one of the big ones because unfortunately I get clients that their accountant just gave them I new crazy deductions that were not right. And then they end up coming to me to fix the problem. Oh my gosh. I don't ever want to have to come to you to fix I mean to fix a, a tax law issue for me. I just want it done correctly <laughs> from the beginning. So I know like keeping records is super vital. But you were also talking about what justifies keeping right, like a hobby versus something that you can actually, like, for example, I am a sole proprietor right now. I will be filing for my LLC before the end of the year because I know that there's things happening in California. So I'm super excited about that. But currently I am a sole proprietor. What is the determination of a hobby versus a business? And what, like, how do you determine which is which in order to be able to file correctly? Well, you have to be showing that you are looking for business, that you're trying to generate income. And that's where it is. I see it like I had a case where a a client, they had a travel business on the side. And because it was a lot of travel and at the first year, they were generating a lot of expenses, trying to take people out to lunch and things country clients, it kind of looked a little bit like a hobby, like they were just trying to expense their travels. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, we show the IRS, no, they were getting, and they actually had one, they were attending conferences and, and just keeping those, just showing that you are trying to generate that income that may the first year you don't make money. Sometimes it happens to all of us, right? Yeah, I didn't make money <laughs> the first year, that's for sure. But uh, but you you're at least trying showing that you you're you're trying to get sponsors, you're you're um looking for other ways of income. That is the important thing. So that you show that you're trying to generate the income. Yay, I qualify. <laughs> and and I think it's also in our uh once more, I'm I'm a big believer of following your instinct and your God because I think we all have like this internal guy that tells us where to head. And there's a saying that. 
pigs get slaughtered, hogs get fat. So you kind of, I think, internally know the line when you're just maybe you're heading more to one side than the other. Yeah. Then what happens once that person becomes an actual LLC? Because, right, doesn't that change that like changes how you file when you're going from a sole proprietor now? Obviously, I'm using myself as an example. Well, it depends. It depends. If you actually do the LLC and then make the S election to be an S corporation, then that would be a whole separate tax return. And the other big thing about it is there comes a point when, I mean, we don't know all the little rules, how the IRS decides which one to audit, but there's things that will raise a flag. People that are sole proprietors and all their business expenses are in their tax returns, they have their higher chance of getting audited as opposed because they have more revenue agents looking at your individual tax return as opposed to like business tax returns. Those get audited a little bit less. But the big kicker is if you do an S corporation, you end up paying less taxes, but you have to give yourself a salary. Very important. You have to give yourself a salary because if not, you can't be an S corp. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. No, I mean, I think that's really interesting because, so how do you determine if you want to be an S corp or not? It, it just depends. I mean, it's, it's an added, once you have the LLC, you have a lot of legal protections, but from a tax perspective, if you are a single member LLC, the, it's like, it's what they call it, disregarded entity. The IRS, if for tax purposes, the LLC doesn't exist, right? It's just you and everything goes in your individual tax return. But if you do the S corporation election, then you are a separate entity, a separate tax return. So it's more administrative work. But on the flip side is that you in, you save taxes because I, I, you, at the end of the day, you know, when you have your profit, you have what they call stake, you have your your taxes that you pay income taxes, but you also have it like you pay for the income that you make, you pay the Medicare and all the social security portion. It's so that you save on that. So that's why a lot of people incorporate but the big thing is that you need to give yourself a reasonable salary, right? So you can give yourself, like, I'm, I'm going to pay myself $100 a month. If What you will really be paying yourself will be a little bit more for what mm-hmm. you do. Got it. Because, I mean, I think that's always, I have, you know, sponsored, I have ads, but not all the time. Like there's sometimes where a, a campaign runs out and there's not an ad for maybe a couple of weeks or a month or a couple months. And then you're like, do I give myself a salary if I'm not having that money come in? Like what, you know, that I think that is like, I would imagine that would be concerning for some people, right? As they're just starting and they want well, to start off seasonable. on the right foot. You can have seasonable and it can only be reasonable once more. You're not going to give a salary. Maybe you're not. There's no income coming in. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to say is if you have income coming in and there's a profit, and you just decide to maybe you have a you decide to I don't know maybe, let's say for instance I'm going to use myself like a lawyer and I have a profit I shouldn't give myself a salary of a hundred dollars a month that's not what you should <laughs> even the market dictates even if I wasn't making much so I think you just kind of have to pass that smell that's once more you I think you've done it you know you're God yes if, if the companies are making money this month maybe this month I can't be because it can, but if it's making money, I can't say I cannot not give myself a salary. Got it. The other thing I wanted, I was wondering in regards to when you have life changes, because that always changes everything, right? Mm-hmm. 
whether you get married or whether you get divorced, let's just say you get married. There is a couple of options that you have in regards to filing your taxes, right? In regards to filing married or married, but separately, what are the benefits to each of those? Well, usually is a, I mean, it, it really, you have to run the numbers. It depends. Sometimes you may make a little bit more filing, you know, uh, separately, but if you do only one of them can take the deductions. So you kind of have to run the numbers. That's more on an individual basis, to be honest. And then what about if a life change, such as a divorce, how do you, do you just go back to like filing as normal, especially if it's in the middle of the year? How does somebody navigate that? Well, that, um, it, it also depends on your kids, if you have kids or not, whether you file a uh, head of household and the nuances, I mean, it will be more, and it, it changes. Every year it changes and it depends on the state because not only, for instance, in California, you guys have to worry a lot about federal, inc- I mean, state income tax. And there the rules are, it can be different too. So mm-hmm. that's all more individual. And what about cryptocurrency? How right, is so that's crypto- the yeah. big one? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Tell me, uh, give, me all, give me all the info. Well, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, uh, about a couple of months ago, the IRS, you know, it was on the news that the IRS got this big funding, mm, billions of dollars that they're going to get like 80. I think they're, they said they're going to get 87,000 new revenue agents, right? And all to make sure for compliance. And one of their, and they have like top things that they're looking, right? One of the things is like high high income earners and don't file tax returns. So people are making money, but they don't file their tax returns. Because the IRS knows how much you made. Um, and we can talk about that. And then the other thing is cryptocurrency, but they call it digital assets. So that lets you know, because actually this year, they changed the definition in the tax returns. Before it used to be, I think, digital currency. Now they did digital assets because that means that they're looking into a bigger net. So that's one of their new pet projects. And the interesting thing is that we think of it uh, because it's a currency, right? Yeah. But the uh, the IRS looks at it like if you own a stock. So they don't see it as, you know, a dollar for a dollar. So if you take cryptocurrency and buy, I don't know, buy a plane ticket with it, they don't see, oh, you bought something. They see it more like you sold your stock and whatever gain you made, that's what you have to report. Wow. So the gain mm-hmm. would be the ticket? It depends. It depends how much the ticket was. Maybe you bought the cryptocurrency for $10 and then the ticket's for 100 so you made a gain of 90. Wow. Well, I don't have any cryptocurrency, so I don't have to worry about that. But that's really interesting that they are expanding this wider net. Because I think one of the things with cryptocurrency was people were like, it was, I guess, untraceable, right? For a moment. And there was this and there was that. But how do people, okay, so how does the IRS know if you have cryptocurrency and if you're reporting it or not? Because um, the IRS now has, they require a lot of people like your, uh, uh, like Amazon has to report if you you sold, um, Etsy has to report if you sold, if they send you any money. So if there's any trading, any way that you do any trading and there's any records, that agency, third party, for the most part, usually has to report it. Just like TDMA trade has to report whenever you sell a stock. Or something. So if it's crypto they, they, between like private party and private party? Um, that one, I don't know for sure um, how they will know. But if there's any, like any of the exchanges, any of their, that you will have to, they, they will find. And, and like I said, now they're pouring in money because that is the actual bill 
mm-hmm. where the funding was that that's one of the areas that they're going to look into putting more money so that yeah. they will find because they, uh, they know that's 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 a source of revenue for them got it okay no i guess that makes sense i mean again and. i'm just like i probably have glazed eyes like oh, okay yeah like with like, with my physician friends do you understand no but i'm listening <laughs> no, no. No, but I mean, I guess the the whole thing is I don't I don't doesn't seem from what I read that the IRS has all the tools to go and find everything you do in cryptocurrency, but they're really looking into it. Even just in the tax returns they put in there, they make you say if you have reported all your transfers in cryptocurrency and you say yes or no. And a lot of people, they just don't understand. So put no. Then because they think of it as cash, they'll put no, but then you just lied in your tax return. So, I mean, it's things like that. And, 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 you know, this is the same thing that started when it was um, about 10 years ago with foreign accounts. A lot of, a lot of people have accounts abroad. They just never report it because they never, never thought about it. But now it's really hard to hide a foreign account. The IRS will find out about it. Wow. Through loss. That, and, oh and gosh. And they well, have I feel like that's other countries. That the rich, like the richy rich people do is have those foreign accounts. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Because I mean, it's just like if you have $10,000 and uh, I mean, and, and the funny thing is like if you have 10,000 accumulated, so you can have two accounts and you have like five and then you moved it to another account. So you have uh, five, yeah. but together throughout the year, you have 10,000. I feel like I different. keep telling on myself. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, this. Oh, I don't have crypto. Oh, this. Oh, I need to stop telling on myself. <laughs> Everybody's Nobody. like, oh, my financial situation. I don't need that. <laughs> so we could have, um, I told you I had asked some, if anybody had any questions. So one of the question was, can you talk about investment income? How is it taxed and how is it reported? Um, once more, it, 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 it depends. Um, is some of it can be just and how long you hold it. Some of it can be if you hold it for less than a year is income tax when you sell it. It's just regular income tax. But when you, if you hold it for more than a year, it's capital gains. So it, it really depends on the asset. The, one of the other questions was, what are some red flags to avoid an audit? So some of the red flags to avoid an audit once more is uh, some typical things are... Uh, if you amend your return, sometimes that raises a flag. Also, the IRS says things that they're looking into. Cryptocurrency is one of them. Another thing that they look at, an easy one, we talked about every time. You know how you have your, your at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, your employer gives you a, w, a W-9, right? Right. W-2. And W-2. then, yeah, they send a copy of that to the IRS. The same thing with like your bank. If you have any interest, they do that. So like your your stocks, they do that. Your Ameritrade or anything. Etsy's, if you're selling in Etsy's, you're selling Amazon, they send a copy of that. So they match. The computer automatically matches, takes your tax return and matches to everything that they have on records. And if something doesn't match, that's an automatic credit to you. Now, what about travel expenses? I'll give you it again. I'll give you, I'm using me as an example, right? In the summer, I took my nephew for a week vacation in, in New York. I had the opportunity to one, go to one of the wineries that I've worked with. So obviously there was a, 
and that was the intention. The intention was to take him for his graduation trip, but it was also to make this kind of a business trip as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously the transportation to get to the winery and, and every there and back. And then I did meet with some reporters and a PR agency and stuff like that. How much of that expense, including flight and hotel is okay to write off because not the whole trip was the entire trip was not a business trip, Mm -hmm. but there were aspects of it that were very specific that I wanted to accomplish while I was there. So when somebody takes a, a, a business and pleasure type of trip, how do you, how do you go about writing that or, you know, including that in your taxes? Well, uh, a lot of it, it, I mean, anything that was the actual expense, like if you went to a conference or if you, when you actually, any transportation to go to the wineries or if you have to pay for something for the wineries, that was 100% business expense. For the rest, maybe the hotel and the airline ticket is a percentage of how much of your trip was actual personal and how much of your trip was business. So if I knew like, okay, 20% was business, 80% was, I mean, I don't know. I have to probably look at the time and everything. Then that's what I could split off Mm -hmm. from that. Okay. No, that's good to know because I think, I mean, I knew that I couldn't just write off the whole thing because it wasn't all Mm -hmm. business. And I don't, again, I don't want to ever flag myself for an audit. I want to just be like on the up and up. And then you just let your accountant or whoever know. But when you do it, but there's also a lot of times where I think we there's all of these third party like H&R Block, TurboTax, whatever. I think I'm at the point where I need to have somebody do it. When do you feel like some like somebody should continue to use those tools on those online tools that are available to us versus actually going to see an accountant or an attorney in regards to making sure this gets done correctly? Well, I think for tax for for your tax for preparing your tax return, I, the sooner you can actually afford to have an actual tax preparer do it, it will be better. Because a lot of my practice, um, I don't do tax returns myself in my practice, but I I help people that get in trouble with the IRS. And a lot of it ends up being TurboTax. Because, I mean, you don't know sometimes all the nuances you may be putting things in. And it's an accident because that's not your expertise. You're you're great at doing whatever you are that you make business, right? We are all good at what we do. And we end up making mistakes. And I think once you can get an expert to give you advice, you should go ahead and do it like your books as soon as you can. If you can get somebody to do that job and their cost is less than what you can make in that hour, then you should give it to that bookkeeper also to help you get get that out and have good records. And the same thing with a tax expert. And then once you, and eventually you're going to graduate from just a tax preparer to a tax advisor, you know, somebody that you need maybe four times a year and they give you advice because once more they'll tell you this is how much you're going to have to save for taxes because a lot of times that's how also people get in trouble is because they didn't plan for it. They had an amazing year, but they didn't plan for it because we are, a lot of us are used to first getting a W-2 and we automatically, everything gets we hold. So we don't plan for it. And then we have a big surprise and that's when we get in trouble. So that's also something, somebody that meets with you and tells you, and once more, if you have clarity, if you know where you're going with your money, then you can plan and grow your business and scale it. So when people get to you, there's like, 
there's trouble a brewing, right? Where did that come from? Where trouble a brewing? Those words have never come out of my mouth my entire life. (laughs) Where did that come from? (laughs) So what are the things? So you're talking about like, usually it's from the tax preparation using like a turbo tax or something like that. So what are the, if somebody can't afford something like to have a tax prepare at this point, and they need to use these tools, you need to use H&R Block, you need to use TurboTax. Are there anything, anything that you can advise to look for as they're going through these programs? Because like you said, we don't know what we don't know, right? Mm-hmm. To ensure that they are doing the best that they absolutely can in regards to their reporting or whatever to help possibly avoid any sort of complications? Well, I, I think the most important thing, if you're going to, and, 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 and those softwares, they're not bad. TurboTax are not bad, I know that. But you really have to take the time to look at every single one. I, I use them. And and if you really just, and once more, or as business owners, as you know, entrepreneurs, all that, we have like 10 different hats that we're running around. We're the marketing department, the accounting department, the customer service, True. everything. True. <laughs> so... But once you're going to do your tax returns, do take some time to make sure you have the numbers right. And then if you don't understand something, I know they're pretty good. Those softwares, they have the little question mark, just press and understand what is saying. Because if you just start clicking off, you don't even know where you're clicking off. You don't have somebody tell you, hold on, maybe you're not doing it right. So just if, I mean, those softwares are not bad. It's just make sure to go slowly and understand if there's something they have, all of them have a help center. I think that's more important. If you're going to use something, just use it correctly, call the health center and things like that. And, and then hopefully you won't. I mean, and, and if you do, I mean, nobody's trying to hide or not pay their taxes. I think right. they end up, everybody gets is because of that mistake. And like I said, everybody, I, I mean, I, I've done it myself and this is what I, you know, what I do. Um, I have clients that are doctors, lawyers, you know, you name it, um, architect, everything, you know, owners that had businesses for so long, big, small, I mean, you name it, investors that get, you know, you know, it, 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 we, we all just make mistakes because they are complicated, the rules. Yeah. On your website, you say that there's three different buckets that you're able to help with. Tax planning, business planning, and personal planning. I need to probably revamp a little bit more my website, you know, honestly. <laughs> um, now the focus of our, our firm is mostly on the tax planning we really are trying to focus um, people just make sure that we have two sides. One where we are focused on when people get in trouble with the IRS, just get mm-hmm. them out of trouble. And I have this, uh, I call it the free framework, where you first you look into figure out where you are in the process. You know, you open a lot of those letters because I know it gets scary when you get a letter from the IRS. You just open your letter and figure out where you are, um, then review your options. That's the R because you have, you know, options. The letter usually says you have to pay in 30 days, but there's other options they don't tell you about. And then I get it. I I had to pay it. I think earlier this year I paid off my tax debt. Thank goodness. But they always tell you it's 30 days. They don't tell you that you can do a payment plan. You can do an offer. Sometimes if you're not in the radar, you can kind of stay quiet because they only have 10 years to collect. So, I mean, they're disorganized. So you take this organization to your advantage. Um, and then evaluate where you fall because, you know, everything. And then the last one, just engage, take action. So, so 
I want to actually kind of go back because there are a lot of scams that happen around tax season, around people saying that they are. And this actually happened to me one time. And this is when I was living in Texas, when I was living in Dallas and I came home and there was this orange piece of paper or was it orange? I don't know. But basically it said somebody from the IRS had come to my door that had come to my house. And this was an, like basically scared the hell out of me. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Like you're this and that. And I'm like, what in the world? And I'm trying to make phone calls, trying to figure out, is this a real person? Am I being scammed? I couldn't really find any information. So I was like, well, this obviously is a scam. So what does the IRS, what kind of steps does the IRS actually take? What should people be aware of, of something that could be a scam and something that's actually legitimate? Well, for sure, it's a scam. The IRS never calls you and asks you for money over the phone to give them a credit card to pay their debt. That's, that's definitely or show up in the I mean, you have to owe a lot of money and they have to send you a lot of letters before they even get to that step. And like I said, they're short on staff. So they're not sending people out to the field. That I mean, you have to owe a lot of money for that. And the first step is always a letter. They send you a letter saying, you know, um, you owe X amount. Um, and you have 30 days to pay after 30 days, which is more than 30 days because you're under staff and they're organized a bit, but use that to your advantage. They send you another 30 day letter. You have to pay. And then if that doesn't happen, then they may send you a letter telling you they're about to file a notice of lien that you pay attention. Then they send you a notice that they're going to levy your account or garnish your wages. Or if not, they send them maybe a letter that they're going to rebuild your passport, but he gets to a lot of steps. And like I say, uh, for them, I, I think you have to, they have a threshold. I want to say somewhere you have to go, I think, north of 150000 for to be assigned a revenue agent. So you have to owe a lot of money for an individual to be assigned to your case. Let, let me tell you, the IRS took money out of my bank account and I owed like $700. And they took money out of my bank account. So of course, all these people, there's probably so many people that have gone and owe hundreds of thousand dollars and end up in the radar. Me owing $700, they levy me. And I didn't even get a letter saying that they were going to like take money out of my bank account. I just look at my bank account and I'm like, what the hell? Where's my money? And look online and the IRS had taken my money. I'm like, really? $700? And there's people... That's I'm still bitter. I'm still bitter about that because I'm like, come on. And I was really young, too. I was like in my 20s and I'm like, I'm just a young little Latina trying to make it in this world. <laughs> but I, I think is um, like I said, they're they're disorganized. And I, especially after COVID, they got really disorganized. And I mean, sometimes there's people that they just don't realize that they, they the money's owed. I mean, they know it's in their system. They just never get to the, because they have a queue. They have a line of people when they get to you. Yeah. And if they find, if they actually know, for instance, because they don't know everybody's bank account. So if they actually were able to know that, yeah, your bank account, they send you letters. Maybe they had an old address for you. That's why you didn't get the letters. And because they had, they had, because they had your bank account information. That's how they were able to levy it. Got it. So I, okay. So yeah, cause I, they had done direct deposit before. So obviously they had my bank account information. So I want to just overview everything. If you are a sole proprietor or a single person LLC, you have to, if you decide to go to an LLC, you have to decide if you're a single person LLC or an S corp, right? S corp, you have to give yourself a salary. 
Otherwise you don't, it all kind of pulls into your normal. Well, if you don't give yourself a salary, you open yourself for audit. Okay. But if you choose not, if you don't choose an escort, you don't have to give yourself a salary. You don't have to give yourself a salary, but you end up paying more in taxes. And eventually you're going to have to make the, well, if you're in the LLC, yes, but if you're like, eventually you should do something because also when you're making a lot of income, that that's also in high audit risk. So is that just easier to start from the very beginning is to start as an escort? Uh, no, because you won't be at the, the first years, your income may be so up and down that you can't give yourself a salary. Got it. And they, they say they, I mean, they say every year because they, the IRS gives you a list of what they're going to look at every year. Because even though, I mean, the good thing about the IRS, they're very by the rules and they tell you ahead of time what they're going to look at and what they're not going to look at. So they tell every year they put S course as one of the things they're going to be looking at. They never fully do but maybe this will be your debut. Yeah. (laughs) You know, knowing my luck, (laughs) one year they're going to be like, we're looking at you. I'm like, no, come on, give a girl a break. Come on. Oh, no. I I mean, if you do a salary, the best thing to do is like get like ADP or Gusto and they'll do all the little filing for you too. Yeah. I think that's the, the, you know, it's just having all of the, finances to be able to do that because that's I think another thing is especially when you're starting you are spending so much money is being spent to start yes. your business um this is the first year I'm actually making money from the podcast which is really nice it's very Yay. very cool but that's when I was like okay mm, I don't know how this is going to be on my taxes I think it's time to <laughs> hire at least hire somebody to do my taxes right I don't know <laughs> eventually, like you said, getting a tax advisor. But right now I just need an accountant who knows what they're doing. So I don't get audited. What are the things that people should look for when they're hiring an accountant so they don't have to get to you? (laughs) Well, I I think the big thing is uh, looking for somebody that is knowledgeable in the the area. Uh, I mean, for instance, and in your particular area, um, accounting for, if, if, for, I mean, if, if you came here, like if you're an immigrant and sometimes you still have maybe some something in your country, you may need somebody that knows a little bit about that, a little bit of international tax, because there's certain reporting things that you have. And if you don't do them, like your foreign account, you may have a little account back home, um, you get in trouble. Or if you are, you know, for attorneys, there's a special type of accounting, just bookkeeping because of we have special like trust accounts for our clients so that they know and understand that it's always helpful and things like that. Maybe for entrepreneurs, they can give you an idea of what to deduct. So maybe if you're like a, like a business entrepreneur, you may want to look somebody that have other clients kind of, that other of their clients are similar to you. That way they will know what tell you what to deduct and give you tips too. And I mean, once more, going back to that, always trust your gut. You know, you, I, 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 I mean, I think, yes, we are always learning and, you know, we're not, I'm always learning about marketing. I'm not, you know, or PR, I'm always learning, but you kind of have an instinct of like, oh, this may, I think you have like an instinct of what may work. Granted, yeah. I'm not the PR expert, but I have maybe, um, I think if I go this way, it, it, it may work. Um, and then I, I'll learn about it. So I think that you're saying, God, if you know that that just sounds, doesn't sound right, yeah. then you like just, just learn, just have the knowledge because I always say knowledge is power. So just give yourself that, that power. I always give guests the opportunity to share anything. Now, 
there, I'm sure there are a lot of questions that I have not asked because I don't know to ask them. So I just want to give you the opportunity to share anything that you think that me or my audience really needs to know, because there's, like I said, I'm just kind of going through this process and I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, what about this? Or what about this? And I don't, I don't know what I don't know. So Mm -hmm. if there's anything that you feel like we should know, please, the floor is yours. Well, like I said, I think there's uh, always two sides in coin. One, the the before um, anything happens to do like some tax planning, also to do like some prevention. Just keep tabs of what, um, like I said, you can always you you can find you can find out what the IRS records are, so that your tax return matches, have good records, all that, right? And if you get in trouble, which we all do, it's no big deal. You know, I think first forgive yourself. I always say that. And then just actually take action. Look up, you know, look where you are in the process. Try to see what you can do to fix it, and then actually take action. So, and that's how now my that's how we are also trying to help our clients on the one side, making sure that they're they're not getting in trouble, and just keep tabs in case their IRS records. And on the flip side, if they do, just put them. The big thing is that do something, take some action. I think that's the important thing. And find somebody who knows the laws in your state as well, right? Especially like someplace like California where you have state income tax as well as federal. And sometimes the state income tax people are even more nutty than the IRS. California's one. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's okay. You know what? I will say this. Even if I haven't gotten money back from the federal, from federal taxes, I always get money back from state taxes. Mm -hmm. And... After living, I've lived in four states. I grew up in California, I grew up in San Diego. I've lived in New Mexico, Arizona, and Texas. I've lived all across the Southwest. Mm-hmm. And after living in Texas for 15 years, I could not wait to come home to California. I always <laughs> knew this is where I was going to be. And there's nowhere, and, and not just California, being in San Diego. Let's mm-hmm. be very even more specific. Nice weather all the time. There's nowhere else I would rather be. And I, and it's not cheap. I know it's not cheap. I know, but my quality of life is just so much more than I, so like, it's just what I, exactly what I want, right? My quality Mm -hmm. of life is so much better than it used to be. And my stress levels are a lot lower than they used to be. (laughs) And, you know, this is home. So it's worth it to me. And I'm very fortunate that I can afford to live here as well, because I know a lot of people are, you know, are struggling. So I do recognize that I am very fortunate and I've worked very hard and I, and I am very fortunate to, to still be able to live where I want to live because not Mm -hmm. everybody has that, that fortune. If people want to get a hold of you, I know your website is Mancarisla, M A. M is in Mary, O, N is in Nancy, C-A-R-Z, law.com. And how can people find you on social as well? At Ask the Tax Attorney. At Ask the Tax Attorney. And then also, if they wanted to, for your listeners, we have a free, uh, free digital guide. So if they want to learn more, if they want to learn more about how to avoid getting into an audit, uh, freeauditguide.com. And and if they have already problems with the IRS, then go to www.freeirsguide.com. 
Okay. And we will make, I will make sure to have all of those links in the show notes. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I know it, we're not in tax season right now, but I think we're heading towards the end of the year. Um, We're in the last quarter of the year. So I think these are things that are really good to be able to start talking about and having those conversations, start preparing now, right? To make sure that next year you're not scrambling. Well, two things. One, some people may be filing late. I mean, in, in extensions. So the extension ends next week on the next. So you have your last filing for your extensions for people maybe on extension. And two, um, before the end of the year, you can do some tax planning. If you have anything that you wanted to buy and you kind of wanted, now is the time if you wanted to lower your taxes or something that you know you have to buy next year or prepay for something. Yes. Now I did actually go for a whole summit that was specifically for the podcast. So I know I didn't get to, I know I can write that one off, but yes. <laughs> now I have to determine. I mean, now I'm like, okay, now, now's the time. Let me determine how much of my trip was podcast related versus how much was just for fun with me and my nephew. So now I'm having a, now I'm like, okay, I have to freaking calculate that amount. But I not like, I wasn't sure like how to do that, you know? So I guess I have to figure out what that math is. Yes. Um, Claudia, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Like I said, there's so much probably that I know that I've not asked all the questions because again, I, and I know that there's so much that is very specific to people, right? Specific on individual circumstances. So you guys, this is just a general conversation in regards to what you know, can do to start to jumpstart those conversations. So you're not like waiting at the very, for the very last minute. So go to Claudia's website, reach out. Um, You're out of Florida. So you probably, you're very versed in Florida law, right? Yes. But um, when it comes to taxes, if you get in trouble with the, are you just trying to avoid getting taxes? That's throughout the whole US. And we have clients all through, I have clients in Texas, I have clients in California. And even outside the U.S., so um, so that we do it from everywhere. So that's not oh, so if deal. you need a tax attorney, you can still do it because it's federal. Is that why? Yes. Mm-hmm. There we go. And so if all you our have, staff is bilingual. <laughs> there you go. So I hope nobody gets in trouble with your taxes. But if you do, we have a tax attorney now. <laughs> we all have a tax <laughs> But also um, one of our services that we offer, we offer to keep records of your uh IRS account, just kind of like a credit report. So you kind of, you know, you have your FICO credit report. We do that for some of our clients. So we'll let you know ahead of time before you get that letter from the IRS and help you plan ahead of time. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So because once more, the IRS is slow, but they, everything comes in their computers. So we find out two or three weeks before you get that letter and then Uh we can plan with you. So it's not that scary. The process. No, no, I don't need to be scared. Like... (laughs) (laughs) and I get it thank you so much I appreciate you like sharing your expertise answering my questions I know I was using that (laughs) as an example for now but that's all I could use right like my instance my circumstance I don't I don't know everybody else's no thank thank you so much for I mean I like you said I I one of the big things it's important to me is to share this information with our community and thank you for letting me share this with your listeners so I because I think especially for our community, this is not given too much. And and I and Latinos are always, Latinos and Latinos always are looking to, they want to do the right thing and they just don't have all the information available. So thank you so much for, for giving me your platform for it. Well, for it and you. 
Thank Oh, no, thank you. Like I said, I know that there's so much more that we could probably discuss, but you know, it's, it's, it's just, there's, again, everything is dependent on individual circumstances. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. You guys, please make sure to follow Claudia and all of the links that she was talking about will be in the show notes. So until next time, mi gente. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.